the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Thursday the 15th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Nice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Good morning. My goodness, we have a lot of good baseball games on last night, MLB games. All yeah, these games did. going into the final inning, got a bunch of walk-offs, a bunch of wild ways for games to end. I mean, yeah, it was a pretty fun baseball day yesterday. Yeah, Brenton Doyle had a really great catch last night, too, and it was an all-time post-game rant from the Nationals manager. Oh, my gosh. That, <laughs> I'll play that. I'll play that later. Yeah, that that was an all-timer right there. That was fantastic. Man, it raised a lot of questions about that. Got to read the receipts, it. man. Show the receipts. I, it was it was fantastic. But, yeah, a lot of great baseball was last night. Sadly, the O's didn't weren't able to get the win against the Jays yesterday. So that's going down to the last game to take the series today. But a lot, it was a lot of great baseball last night. A lot of great hits. A lot of great stuff. I think, yeah, Juan Soto had a really nice home run last night too. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> are you, are you, do you still have like breakup regret from Soto? Huge, huge. Well, I don't think I ever will. Well, I didn't feel like this with Harper. Here's here's the reason though. You had to let him go. Yeah, because he wasn't coming back. You got to love, love him. Let him go. Relationship. If you love him, let him go. Hey, he he'll start he'll be back, he'll be back towards the end of his career. He's going to pull up McCutcheon, you think? Yeah, I think he will. Come back, be good for a month, and then suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get to talk about MLB baseball here after a bit, but there was some good baseball happening right here in the Panhandle last night. Post-14, getting 11-1 win over Potomac Valley. Yeah, they're rolling right now. I mean, this team's playing with fire. Yeah, you look over their last four games. In their last four games, they scored 40 runs and given up just 10. The pitching's really starting to click offensively. The way they have at-bats and the way this lineup is constructed, I mean, it's you can throw you know darts at a wall and get a good lineup with the roster that you have for this team. But you know every player is well protected. They run the bases well, play a little bit of small ball, but still have the proclivity for the big inning. Now, good word, <laughs> SAT the, word of the day go. for you there. Spell that somebody out there. They Text us. They they struggled early. What's ironic about this is they they jumped up to a four one lead and only had a couple of hits for those first two innings. One of those being a three run home run by Colin Reed, uh, and then they blew the doors off late. Um, but their pitching put him in a spot to be competitive for the entire game. Chase Herndon had gotten knocked around by Leesburg a couple of days ago, or a little over a week ago. So kind of needed a bounce back start and got it. And then it really settled in behind him. And this team still doesn't have you know, Baden Harden, from what I understand, talking to, to Coach Tobin yesterday, is uh, a little under the weather. And then in Delauder's case, Chase is going to make his professional debut coming up here in a little bit, so mm-hmm. he went up to go see him. So you're still down, arguably, your two best pitchers, or two very key contributors to this team, and you're 7-2. and two. So they're playing really good baseball, and this was an area game um, against the, the, the Potomac Valley team. So you've gotten an important win in an area that you are the odds-on favorite to dominate, and you dominated this game. Uh, because this team has ambitions of playing well in a state tournament, has ambitions of going to play in the regional the final year it's here in the state of West Virginia. And the way they're playing right now with the pieces that they have, 
There's no reason why they can't. Uh, the, the the amount of arms on this team is unbelievable. And then you just think, again, one through nine, they've got elite power, the ability to hit the ball, the opposite field, to hit behind the runner, to find gaps, to do a lot of things well. I You know, I've been around Legion baseball for a while, and this is just a really, really well-constructed team. The state this year, I think, is going to be a lot of fun because post two, Morgantown's starting to hit their stride. You know, Charleston's really talented. And then completely out of nowhere in that Morgantown tournament last week, Wheeling, who is made up of Wheeling Park and Wheeling Central, neither of whom had really good spring seasons, uh, beat post two and beat post 14. So they're very good all of a sudden as well. So Legion baseball is going to be really fun, and post 14 is going to have a lot to say about it. And you were able to catch up with both Colin Reed and Trip Tobin after yesterday's game. Putting together good, good at-bats again and you know, having an approach and not just going up there and swinging at whatever. Yeah chasing a couple pitches in the third and just not putting together good ABs. And it, hitting is kind of like a contagious thing. One person does it and then everybody yeah. else starts to do it. How protected do you feel in this lineup, guys sitting around you? It's great. You know, there's no pressure on you. You know the person behind you is going to pick you up if, if something happens or if you make, make a mistake. So there's a lot of trust in the people behind me and people in front of me that are pretty much on base every time I hit. Coach, it said, you know, coming back from being injured in the spring that you're trying to get back to 100%. Where do you think you are health-wise right now? I'm pretty close. You know, I still have having a little bit of arm troubles, but other than that, I feel great. So, but I've been hitting all year, so that, that part of my game is just like it's always been. Coach, let me start by asking you this. I want to ask you about uh, Colin. You know, he's a guy that got banged up in the spring, didn't get to play a lot. You know, I'm sure his offers aren't where he wants them to be, so it's a really important summer, and he has a pretty good performance today. Oh, he's an excellent, you know, he has an excellent performance. He um, He's working on getting his body back in shape. He, you know, he hurt his knee, and, and uh, it's just been really tough for him to continue to, to work and exercise and do the things he needs to do. But, I mean, you know, he's just a tremendous uh, uh, threat at the plate whenever it comes to – and he's so smart. You know, he's so smart. Over the weekend, uh, he laid down a bunt with men on first or second. Today, he's a three-run home run. So, he just knows exactly. He'll, he'll do whatever it takes, and he tries to stay out double plays and hit the ball. He can do all the park. He can do all the things you want him to do. And, and he's like the fifth coach in this dugout. He's just a tremendous kid to have around. And uh, been getting some offer. I mean, I've been getting some visits. Some guys are really talking. Actually, I talked a little bit uh, to some guys today on the phone about him. So, hopefully it works out for him and he gets there and gets back in shape and gets to be uh, the, the, the physical calling that we know. And a night and day start for Chase, uh, basically he struggled last time around, this time looked a little bit more comfortable. What was kind of the difference you saw in those two starts? Oh, I just think getting Chase back on the mound, you know, after not be, you know, college lets out a lot earlier yeah. and uh, not having any live, um, uh, not, not throwing any live batters for a while. And of course the, the lineup that he threw to at Leesburg is tremendous. All of our guys, you know, uh, through to a very talented lineup there, and he settled in after the first inning. But it was just getting his feet wet back again after you know not come not not pitching since what um, May 12th, 15th or something. So through two or three weeks maybe or four. Um, so it was just just all about that. Today he was going to throw two or three innings, and that was it, and just going to continue to work that way. I've got you now for 40 runs over your last four games, so you have to be happy with the way you guys are seeing the ball at the plate right now. Oh yeah, these guys. I like we have 15 <laughs> guys here today, and all of them, you know, had contributed some some way or another. Uh, Myers is not feeling really well. He's got a little sore throat, so he come in, did a, helped us out there while we changed pitchers and then back out. But other than that, everybody swung the bat, everybody contributed, and. Uh, you know, I told these guys we're not going to go with a, a straight nine or, or like a high school season where we only play nine guys and the other guys set all season. These guys are going to play. 
Uh, they're going to come in. They're going to be expected to, you know, they're not going to sit on that bench for four, five, six, seven innings this summer at any time. Well, and lastly, Coach, going into the weekend tournament play, where are you guys roster-wise? I know Baton's still not here. Mm -hmm. Same with the Lauder. Um, when are you going to get back to 100% uh, have all your numbers? Well, we got plenty here tonight. Yeah. And, and Baden was Baden's here. He's okay. just he's just uh, not feeling really well. So we wish him the best back at home. He he's fighting a fever and uh, you know some summer chill or summer flu or, or what have you. So uh, I texted, he talked to him right before the game. So he, he's available. And uh, the Lauder has actually went uh, to Ohio to, uh, to to see Chase's debut. So it's just uh, it's just very uh, uh, you know when they all get here, uh, they're going to be hard to beat. And the pitch really? has been phenomenal. Like you said, the 10 runs, I mean, 10 runs a game offense is just fun to coach, and they're just having a good time. We just want to have a great summer and enjoy the summer and um, get these guys a lot of reps and get them ready and prepared for the next level. And hopefully come July we can uh, compete for a state title. Yeah, that's Luke catching up with Colin Reed and Trip Tobin after their win last night over Potomac Valley. So we've talked about this a couple of times. Do you think that this is a case of they just have a lot more of their talent ready early in the summer than a lot of these other teams? And once they get a little bit further on into the season, these other teams will start to match the talent? Or is post-14 just that good that they're just already head and shoulders above the rest of these Legion teams around? I just think they're that good. I mean, you've got six AAA teams to pull from here, one of which made it to the state championship game, one of which is one of the best-run programs in high school baseball history. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Musselman and Martinsburg both had very, very good seasons uh, and, and players to take away from the other programs as well. You know, Spring Mills has some guys that can hit and Washington had, you know, Colin Reed missed most of the spring, but he's a very good player. He's, he's one of the top arms in the staff once he's back up to 100 percent as well. So they just have a plethora of options that you look at the other teams in the state. Morgantown, who we just talked about, drew draws from two high schools, plus maybe some Clay Battelle every once in a while. Wheeling every once in a while picks up a couple of Ohio kids, but it's just Central and uh, or uh, Wheeling Central and uh, Wheeling Park. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Parkersburg only draws from a couple of schools in that area. Bridgeport only draws from Bridgeport. Uh, Fairmont draws from a couple of schools. Charleston's really the only one that has the same kind of talent level. And then there's just, you know, every year they have to deal with trying to get everybody to play. You know, that that's a program that's notorious for everybody taking a Myrtle Beach, Beach vacation <laughs> right. at the same time. Right. So I, I just think they're that good. And when you add DeLauder and Hartman back into the fold, well, all of a sudden you've got arguably the best pitcher in this region. And then another guy who's arguably the best pitcher in this region who also plays a very good shortstop and hit is probably going to play baseball in college, and DeLauder is playing baseball in college as a pitcher. So you can make the argument that they're just going to keep getting better. I think they're the team to beat, and it's an obvious thing to say in this area. Uh, they're going to have a lot of pressure on them to continue to be the top dog, and I expect them to be. And then they'll have a chance to go to the state tournament and prove it against some of the state's best. They've got pitching. They've got more pitching depth than any other team. Now, can the offense stay consistent to allow that pitching to pitch you deep into tournaments? That's going to be the question. And right now, the answer is yes. But you're right. As this as the season goes on, and you start to put more mileage on these pitchers' arms, so you think about a really busy spring. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you, you tack on Legion to the end of that. Yeah. Uh, you start to see a little bit more arm fatigue, but it's all about managing your pitching and hoping that the offense, uh, the offense kind of stays put. And that's usually what it boils down to, who can go the longest without running out of gas. And I think that's what boils down to the pitching for this team because they got the tools to really make a run post-14 does, but they just got to have the right pieces at the right time. People – like Baden Hartman, you got to have guys stay healthy too. That's the thing with that sick, being injured, whatever it may be. You got to have guys all healthy at the same time because a lot, a lot more times than not, it's not the best team. It's the team that's the 
healthiest going in is a lot of the times who comes out of tournaments and who makes their way to these types of levels of competition. They got the tools to do it, absolutely. Got some of the best hitters in this area. The pitching's fantastic, arguably the best out of any Legion team out. It's just having the pieces click, too. And it looks like they're clicking, too, which is a question we had at the start of this Legion season was going to be, how are these pieces going to click together? You pull from six, potentially seven different high schools, and you go and you have all these kids play together. And they seem like they're hitting on all cylinders right now, which is really good. Well, you can always get in touch with us. Text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside and be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. So we're going to be talking about MLB baseball, the Orioles, and everything like that after our bottom of the hour break. But Parker, you need some help from the uh, listeners of Panhandle Sports Live because you got a, a pretty interesting article that you're cooking up for PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. Yeah, it's something I've had thought about for a while, and I think now with us getting into kind of the dog days of our coverage on sports in our area, I think it'd be a good time to go at this exercise. So I'm wanting to curate an all-time college football roster for – West Virginia University, mm. Maryland, and Marshall. I want to try and get all those three schools. I've worked. I've mainly finished West Virginia. I've got some pieces, but I'm open to ideas for who could be in there. If you don't have Boomer Sizen as the quarterback for Maryland, you're wrong. The whole <laughs> that's, list that's who wrong. I'm thinking is for Maryland's going to be their quarterback. I I'm literally really cannot think of another court other than Tulia in the most recent one. I cannot think of another quarterback in Maryland history other than Boomer. I'll have to see if I can find the. Uh, piece here that i've got so far but it's well building on that uh, ironically i i I thought i was about to get scooped by parker i've got an article that i was i'm gonna finish today and send your way to be posted that is let people know man yeah i know i know i I, I was afraid i just got gypped um we're gonna be counting down from the skill position players the top five all-time season in shepherd rams history there you go starting with running back there you go. And that'll be coming up today or tomorrow. Um, I, 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 I thought you were like, about well, to say the exact same thing. Well, I was like, how does he know? Hmm. <laughs> I, no, I, I try to do an all-time Rams starting uh, lineup, but I just, you know, it's hard record-wise with yeah. Division yeah. Two football to find that. So we'll start with the skill position players and work from there. So the question is for West Virginia. you got a couple of different quarterbacks you could choose from, I feel like. Mm-hmm. There's so, th- I mean, it's three, major Pat White. It it's got to be. It can't not be one of those yeah. two. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get me wrong. Mark Bulger is uh, criminally underrated as a Mountaineer all-time quarterback. I'd put He's him my in my four. I'd put him in my absolutely in my top five, if not in my top four. I mean, that conversation is Pat White, Major Harris, Geno Smith, Mark Bulger, and then probably Will Greer, um, or Skylar Howard. Yeah. Had a ten-win season. People forget Skylar Howard's also somebody that gets dunked on for no reason. But, yeah, I mean, you've got options at receiver for this team. You've got a very, very, very good offensive line when you think about Braham and Mark Lewinsky even recently, Quentin Spain, guys like that. Oh, none of those guys are even on the roster that I have right now. Really? Mm. Yeah. We're we're digging deep here. Like, I had to dig deep for some people. So, there's if you're listening, you remember Dan Moses was the center for the Mountaineers in the Pat White years. He makes the list as the center for me anyway. 
And we got uh, Chuck Alley, of course, is going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. And he actually, well, he was a linebacker in the NFL. He was actually a guard at West Virginia. So he makes the team as a guard. So that's, those are some of the weird tweaks I had to make to the lineup because I was thinking in the linebackers, I was like, all right, we have this. Because I didn't know how I wanted to formulate the team because there was, I think, a too many good pass rushers. So I was thinking, do we go to a 3-4 defense? Do we go to a 4-2-5? What are we going to do with this? But I ended up working itself out because I totally forgot about Sam Huff. I don't know how I forgot about Sam Huff, but I threw him into the lineup. <laughs> Chuck Kelly like, also, by the way, I had to Google it to make sure, is the only player in NFL history to win the Super Bowl MVP for the losing team. That is true. So there you go. Also, Chuck Kelly, the only West Virginia Mountaineer in history to letter in five different sports. Mm, what are the five? It that was, was post-boxing, so it couldn't have been boxing. It was football, track, swimming. He also he was an apparently a really good swim athlete, too. He mm. won like a 100 free or something like that in West Virginia. Golf, I think, was one of them, too. I can't remember the fifth, but there were... Bring he, back West Virginia men's track. Come on. He would, I, I, Yes, please bring back West Virginia men's track. That's that's our advo- advocacy for today. But it's, yeah, it was a, it's a really cool list to put together. Who's the punter? Todd Sauerburn. There you go. And then Kickers McAfee. Oh, I was going to say, you put McAfee over Vanderjack? <laughs> yeah. Got to be. Got to be on that Easily. one. But if you got any uh, suggestions for Old Parker and his top Maryland, Marshall, and West Virginia football rosters, you can send us text 304-263-4321. We do got a suggestion here. And uh, this texter, I mean, this is the obvious option, I think, for Marshall quarterback, Chad Pennington. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I've thought about this. You got multiple guys you can go you got for. Leftwich, man. Come on. Oh, you, got, you have Byron Leftwich. They carried him. You have he Byron. did carry him. I might have to go Well, they Byron carried then. Byron Leftwich yeah. from play to play. That game mm. was incredible. There's another quarterback at Marshall too that I it gets forgot about, but apparently he was insanely good. It was why am I forgetting his name? And we just got a message from our our friend Baseball in the Mountain State who said that if we ever did a WVU baseball all time starting lineup, that he would love to have some input. Sure. Absolutely. It, we had a, a really interesting conversation, uh, myself and my dad and Ernie Galuski is a longtime coach of the Mountaineer baseball program and works on their broadcasts. Who do you think, and it, it became more lopsided as the question went on, but who do you think has a better all-time starting lineup? Greg Van Zant's Mountaineers or Randy Mazie's Mountaineers? Now got to be Mazie, right? Well, the more, you look more at time. It, the more you look at it, it'd be Van Zant. But, I mean, Mazie, the recency bias helps Mazie Lenny as Alec Manoa. Right. But when you think about Chris Enix, you know, does Enix cancel Manoa out? You know, who is a better college pitcher? Uh, but that's a, a fun exercise, you know. When they, you talk about the dog days of summer, right. but I'm I'm excited to read to read Parker's list because I think it. I mean, I can't really contribute to the Maryland side of things mm. to be honest with you. But WVU people forget that there's a lot of individual talent that's sprinkled in through some very good yeah. years as far mm. as college football is concerned. When West Virginia was an independent. There's a, a lot of very talented players in the history of the program. Yeah, for the Terps, got like Sean Merriman, you got Tory Smith, mm-hmm. I mean, Stefan Diggs, of course. Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis. Mm-hmm. Strongest man ever to come through the University of Maryland. I remember seeing when he was going through um, the videos of him lifting and everything were just incredible. He was putting up like every single weight that he could find in the gym on a bar and just pushing it everywhere. Oh, I think this is who it is now. If I'm, I think it was Michael Payton is who I was thinking of for Marshall, who was their quarterback. He Michael was Payton. He was the 1992 Walter Payton Award. It was uh, this was back when Marshall was div- was an FCS Division One AA school. Mm. It, it's basically the Heisman Trophy for Division One AA was Michael Payton. So that's another guy who's in that conversation too for who's going to be that all time QB for the Thundering Herd. But that that's one more of the one fun ones I've had to go through because you got to kind of dig for Marshall a little oh, yeah. bit because you got all you got the years before the. Uh, 
you got the years before they made it into FBS, and you got the Randy Moss and Pennington years, and then they've had some gems too. A guy like oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Aaron Dobson, who played in the early 2010s decade too, was really was one of the better receivers in their history. People forget Troy Brown, one of the Patriot stars too. He was a Marshall Thundering Herd Man. member too. He was a big time member of that Marshall team when they had Moss and all them. He Neville was, Hewitt, Ahmad Bradshaw. Yeah. Well, don't give away your whole article. Already, don't, I'm, don't I'm just I'm just throwing the yet. names out there. It's it's not finalized. You don't have to make the list. It's it's <laughs> not finalized right now. But most of my picks for West Virginia, I think, are finalized right now. And I, I'm sure I'm going to upset a couple people for who I'm going to throw in where it's in different spots. Is Chris but Henry on the list. He was he did not make the list for me. He was one of the first two receivers out. How many receivers do you have? I have yeah, that's what I asked. Him five too. starting. And Chris Henry's not in your top five. No. Wow. No. My now my number one might also. Raise a little bit of eyebrows, depending on. Do you want to keep it as a uh, read the article to find out? Well, I'll tease it as this: Tavon Austin is not number one. Yeah, is it what for me? <laughs> is it Kevin White? It's not Kevin White. It's Gotta not read Stephen? to find out, man. Gotta read to find it's out. It's not Kevin White. <laughs> See, you're gonna you're gonna ruin it. He, you're gonna you're gonna throw it all out there. He is, in my opinion, the greatest wide receiver in West Virginia history, and he has the most untouchable receiving record in West Virginia history. Oh, okay. It's that's Stedman. That's <laughs> <laughs> that you were trying to give hints to the worst possible person that would know immediately who you were talking about. I, I am the biggest Stedman Bailey fan in the world. Oh, so I like Stedman more than Tavon in college. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. The man got shot in the face and almost came back to play in the I NFL. Know. He's unbelievable. He's Tavon just had more of the flashy plays. He's yeah. the one. He got have more of the plays that you were seeing on he, ESPN, and he's such a criminally uh, like. And it's an indictment, admittedly, of my St. Louis Rams. Like an NFL team needed to get a hold of him sooner. And if he's one of those guys, the Mountaineers have a bunch of what ifs. And uh, Major Harris is one of those. Yeah. If Tavon would have played five years later, he would have been a much better NFL player. As if if Major would have played fifteen years later, he would have been Lamar Jackson. Tavon Austin walked so Tyreek Hill could run. <laughs> <laughs> Pat White walked so Kyler Murray. Well, could you guys run. remember all those? Uh, uh, oh crud! Who was it? The receiver that says that Tavon Austin. I, I remember watching his mixtape when he was mic'd up. And he goes, "Oh, I remember watching his mixtape in college." There's a lot of people that are committing to WVU still yeah. that grew up watching Tavon yeah. Austin, Stedman Bailey, and Geno Smith that wanted to come here. Mm. And instead they get Neil Brown. <laughs> well, oh, if you yeah. have any uh, suggestions or uh, maybe ideas for Parker, and uh, he's putting together, what, the best teams of Marshall, Maryland, and West Virginia. Correct. So if you got any ideas for him or you get suggestions on players, you can text us 304-263-4321, or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Of course, we are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. And unfortunately, they fall to the Blue Jays last night, 3-1, to one, after an incredible game the night before. Uh, they can't quite match it up with that one. And then I uh, got two early games, uh, 2 o'clock today, yeah, uh, 105 today, 220 tomorrow. So you can get, catch first, first, first pitch, my goodness, right here. At uh, 105, but a tough one for the Orioles last night. Yeah, it absolutely was. No hit into the seventh inning and kind of rallied late. Um, Blue Jays just got a really good start. You know, Barrios is somebody that probably should have had a more storied 
uh, MLB career up until this point, but now he's kind of become a journeyman, and he had a really good performance. As did Kyle Bradish. It's something I'll say a couple of times. Um, I just hate when you waste bad, you waste good starts, which is what the Orioles did yesterday. Columbia comes in, gives up two runs, which is a problem again. Going back to the issues we talked about um, in the Orioles bullpen, minus Cano and Bautista, who are the other guys going to be? Um, but you know, you can't you can't win every game. This one was frustrating because the top three hitters in your lineup combined to go one for twelve. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to sting a little bit but you have a chance to right the wrongs short memory because you have a short turnaround you know they're probably already getting to the ballpark and will mm-hmm. be starting to take bp here in a little bit for the rubber match against the orioles uh i'm sorry against the blue jays um and then they have to hop on a plane and go to chicago and play at two o'clock tomorrow which is kind of brutal about the mlb lifestyle by the way um I, 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 this is starting to become parker's field of dreams moment because i just had another text in regard to his uh, Mountaineer wide receivers. You're gonna make everybody mad with this Mountaineer list. I'm gonna make somebody said mad. that it's it's nice to know that Parker started watching WVU football in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> hey. See, that's why I can't hey. I can't I can't hang with you guys when you start talking I've... about the genius sports because my what, my knowledge starts literally at like 2015. Okay, and you guys got 150 years of knowledge <laughs> ahead on. of me. Hold on here. I'm sorry. I, I just de- thought that I was a def- funny comment. I have to defend myself here. I, w- I would just like to say for my own benefit to whoever texted that, Canute Curtis makes the list as the top defensive end in WVU history. So I do indeed Shout know what's Canute Virginia Curtis fo- one time. I-, I do indeed know West Virginia football before the year 2013. Parker, Parker's just in here Googling West Virginia football roster 1956 and just picking the first guy he sees with the best name. <laughs> like, look, look at this deep pool I got. It's hey, uh, uh, Ron Wolfley. You're on the team. <laughs> Billy Joe Armstrong. <laughs> hey, isn't that the Blink one or uh, Billy Joe? Billy Armstrong. Joe Armstrong's the lead Green singer. Day? Green Day. <laughs> Green Day. What a uh, pool. Well, anyways, I am uh, patiently waiting for that article to come That's out and then see what people have to say about that. Again, you'll be able to find that over on uh, PanhandleNewsNetwork.com here after a uh, or here once I guess you stop getting all these crazy texts and stuff from people yelling at you. You drive you into madness. Yeah, you got to yeah. just stop stop talking about it. It's got to surprise people. Well, Wait until Sam James is wide receiver two when he puts that list out. Jeez. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to cause a firestorm on the website. It's going to be going to be nuts, but it's there's going to be explanations for every selection as well. Now, there's going to be I'm going to roster three quarterbacks, three running backs, five receivers, two tight ends, and then It'll, there'll be a starting offensive line and then mostly about the same for the defensive line. A couple DNs, a couple D tackles, some three linebackers, I think four corners. Around that type of set is what we're going to have. Now, one of the safeties I think was a really cool pool. I didn't know this Mountaineer. He played like in the 80s and early 90s. I had no idea who this was until I looked him up. But he was he was actually one of the better safeties in West Virginia history. No idea about him until I looked it up. Because originally I had Keith Tandy in mm-hmm. this spot. But I had to replace him for this person I found in this point. But it, it was a fun list to make. I had a fun time looking and having a deep dive into really the history of what West Virginia brought as a football program. But no, I know this is a bump switch, but let, switching back to the <laughs> Orioles now. But it, yeah, it's it's a it's a start that yeah, it just was Barrios's night. He just had a really good pitching performance, and that, that happens sometimes in baseball. You get a pitcher who's on, and he was on. Bradish has a great game, but it's just it isn't enough. The bats aren't there for the Orioles. Gunnar Henderson's six-game hitting streak gets snapped, which is tough. Rutschman only goes one for four. O'Hearn one for four. Aaron Hicks, who, again, who's one of the better pickups and performers off of waivers for the Orioles this season, he's only able to go one, one for four. It just wasn't the best performance, and it's a chance today to take this series 
at home. You got to try and do it today because you don't want the Blue Jays to get hot and pick up ground because they have a lot of talent in this in this roster right now. Bo Bichette's playing great baseball. Vlad Jr.'s picking back up from where he was. Matt Chapman is getting his bat back. Whit Merrifield, who went three for four this last game, he's a guy who is guaranteed at least a hit, if not two, most of the time out there. And it's a it's a Blue Jays team that has a lot of talent. So you don't want to be the catalyst for getting the Blue Jays hot, and then you have another year of battling it out with the Blue Jays for a wild card spot, which, of course, the Blue Jays won last year and knocked the Orioles out. Well, it was also a tough game for my Washington Nationals last night. They lose 5-4 on a walk-off base hit, RBI to the Astros, and it was a certainly interesting end of that game. So it was bases loaded, right? 4-4 uh, tie game, bases loaded for the Astros. Ball gets hit uh, to shortstop. Abrams throws it home, right? They get the force at home, and then as they're trying to double up uh, the guy right, who hit the ball, I can't remember who hit it at this point, but um, he's running up first baseline. Catcher steps out for the plate, goes to throw it to first base, but the runner... The batter is on the left side, the infield side of the foul line. Now, if you look at a baseball field on the first base path, you have that second line that's over on the right side in foul territory, right? That's the runner's lane. That is where the runner is allowed to go and should be going. And it's got a lot of people upset, especially uh, um, the Nationals people, about that call not really being called. And one of my favorite Davey moments I think I've ever I've ever seen because this guy he'll fight for his team he might not be the best uh, manager all full circle but he's definitely got his guys back and this was him in the press conference right after the game and you can't see it of course because it's radio but he's holding up as he's making this comment he's holding up a screenshot <laughs> of the play right when the interference he thought happened so here's uh, Davey after the game right there. take a good look at it is that on the line I don't think so I'm over this play seriously they need to fix the rule. This is what the umpires see, that he's running down the line. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Fix it. We lost the game, and he had nothing to say about it because he can't make the right call. Brutal. Brutal. It was brutal, Davey. I'm with you, I think. But uh, you can just hear how angry is his, his voice quivering as he's uh, saying all that. But I don't know. I mean, it was bang-bang play. It's tough when you're the road team in that situation because you're not necessarily going to get that call the easiest. But I don't know. I think it was interference. But it was also a bad throw. It was going back onto the line. If he was, there's a whole, I mean, you could take this 15 different ways. But nonetheless, the Nats still lose 5-4. Yeah, that's tough. Because, I mean, is he close enough to making contact with the chalk? He is. But like you said, the throw also was kind of going towards the runner. Yeah. But at the same time, you've seen less be called interference anyways. It's a bit of a gray area for the rules. People have been joking, and maybe it might come to it, that Major League Baseball starts using those safe bases yeah. and add an extra first base behind first base so you have more room to hit with your foot, and then the, the, the first baseman can have more of an angle to get the throw. You know, Maybe come off the bag and make the catch and then step on it, but then that adds another step to it. So it's just a really awkward sequence all the way around. A tough way for the Nationals to lose a game. I mean, you know, it's... It, at some point, again, this team is trying to compete right now. Mm -hmm. and you can't blame them, and you like the passion and the fire from their manager, but you know they're probably not going to make the playoffs right. at this point in the season. It's a frustrating loss, but at the end, it's it's one that gets you, I guess, a lower draft pick. I don't know. It, it's just I, it, it's it's disheartening for a team because this is the kind of thing that just destroys your mojo, and right. you go from being a really fun ten game below five hundred team to just completely decimated psychologically. So that's what the Nationals need to make sure doesn't happen because of all of this. Well, that's my takeaway from it is that as a fan, it's nice to see that they are still showing this fight at this point in the season. Like you said, I mean, even at the beginning of the season, nobody thought this was going to be a playoff team. Everybody thought they were going to be bad, and then it, they've just been 
surpassing expectations, I think, all season. So it's nice to know that they haven't turned, uh, they're thrown the towel in quite yet. And at least Davies uh, still got some fire back there. But no, I agree. I mean, it's just tough. That's just a tough way to end a game, whether you're a bad team or a good team, is a tough way for it to end. Yeah, I think so too. And we talked about this that with the Nationals. We knew coming into the season they were going to be one of the lower end teams in baseball this year. Some people were saying, oh, they're going to be the worst team in baseball. It's going to be them and the Oakland A's battling out who's going to get the number one pick in this next year's draft. But to their credit, the Nationals have played competitive baseball. They've shown they've got a young core of guys with Gray pitching who had a decent start on the mound. You got a guy that's like Mackenzie Gore who's going to be starting today for the Nationals. You've got guys like Abrams. You've got guys who eventually are going to be coming up like Robert Hassel and of, and of the like that are going to be with this team here in the next year, the two years, that they can compete. We've seen teams do this before. They have young guys come up and they make impacts. You just got to find that guy. Look what Ellie De La Cruz is doing for the Reds right now. Look what Jazz Chisholm is to the Miami Marlins, who, they, who the Nationals have in their next series coming up at home. It's these impact guys. If you can hit on one of these guys, you've got a guy to build around, and that's what they had with Juan Soto. Things didn't work out the way they hoped with Juan Soto, which is why they had to get that haul back from San Diego. But you've got guys. You got, you're competing. You're get. You're really the biggest takeaway I have is they're competing, and they're not just tanking full-blown because you could be like the Oakland A's, and mm-hmm. you're obviously tanking, and you're obviously getting ready to leave, and that's just a, a toxic situation out in Oakland right now. It's it's not good. It's It doesn't show good ownership. It doesn't show loyalty to a fan base. But this Nationals team, they're fighting. They're putting themselves out there, and there's the belief in that fan base. Hey, a couple years from now, once the Philly stars start to age and they fall off, mm-hmm. once these older players for the Mets start falling off of the like, we'll be able to compete with the Braves with yeah. potentially the Miami Marlins. That's the silver lining I think have all of this. It's a tough way to lose a game, and it, you could argue it was a blown call, but it's the fact that they're competing with a team that just won the World Series in the Houston Astros mm-hmm. that speaks levels to me. Well, and that's where the Orioles were five years ago at this point. You know, same exact situation, just flipped on the other side of uh, I-95. But to wrap up our Major League talk before we have to get to the last break of the hour, the Rockies lose a tough one, 6-3 to the uh, Red Sox last night. Brenton Doyle goes one for two with a walk and a run scored, and he was a part. He wasn't the guy that, I mean, blowing the game sounds tough, but he was uh, a part of the play where the uh, Red Sox just took over there in the seventh. There was an error out in the outfield, or uh, a misplayed ball out in the outfield, and that kind of opened up the gates for him. But uh, not a bad showing for old Brenton in his first time at Fenway. Yeah, absolutely. He had a great catch earlier in this game. You know, it was good to see that that injury isn't going to sideline him long term uh, because when we saw it, I thought his leg exploded. Oh, so yeah, I thought he was done for the year. I, I thought that was it for him, uh, which is everything at this point in his career. But he gets a hit, like you said, involved in a little bit of wackiness there at the end of the game. But the Rockies are in a similar boat to the Nationals. Like, you know, they're not going to be that mad that they lose a game like this at the end of the season when they're picking sixth overall in the mm-hmm. draft. Um, so it, it's exciting to see him kind of start to succeed, start to see a little bit more local flavor, try to sprinkle its way back into Major League Baseball, professional baseball. We mentioned uh, DeLauder is going to kind of ramp up his professional debut coming back from his injury, which is going to be a fun thing to keep an eye on right now. And uh, hopefully Doyle kind of continues the success that he has because he went from, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but when he got called up for the first time, he was probably only going to be with the Rockies for a weekend, but he played right. well. And they realize this guy's a great center fielder, runs the base as well. Scott Pop can hit the ball to every field. Maybe we should keep him around for a while. And a while became potentially the rest of the season, hopefully for the rest of his career. 
Yeah, and that's, I think, the big takeaway of what he's done so far. The defense has been there for Doyle. That's, I think that's his strong suit. But he's got the ability to impact the game in different ways. He hits good for contact. He could occasionally get a good power hit in between here and there. He had a good performance. It was a Rockies team that wasn't able to get the ball really going against the Red Sox last night. It was a 6-3 to three final. But Doyle was one of the better performers. He gets walked in an at-bat and is able to get a hit. He doesn't get struck out, in which uh, it was a Rockies team that got a lot of strikeouts against him. Wicklock struck out seven in this game, going seven innings. It's it's a performance where, yeah, we're having the same conversation about Colorado that we did for the Nationals, mm-hmm. but Doyle could be one of those pieces that they look to build for in the future. You look at that roster, Chris Bryant really hasn't worked out. I mean, he could be a cap casualty here in another year or two. And you got Charlie Blackman, who's getting up there in age and really is just DHing at this point. The outfield's kind of wide open in Colorado right now, which I think is one of the better things for Doyle's sake. He's got a chance to solidify himself in center field, be that playmaking defensive guy who can get a hit towards the bottom end of the lineup and turn the lineup over. He's He's got staying power in the majors, and I think he's shown that because if he wasn't, I think he would have been sent down by now. So yeah. obviously he's a piece that the Rockies want to keep around. Well, like you said, Luke, I mean, he was really just coming up to fill a spot for a few games, and then next thing you know, he's a consistent starter. So I think at this point it is safe to say that um, of course, without knowing anything that's happening in the Rockies front office, that he is essentially a cornerstone for the future, a piece for the future, key piece for the future for the Rockies. And I uh, hope he continues to be. And I am also very happy that he is back playing because I agree. When I saw that injury a couple, what, a month ago, I guess now, I thought he was done for at least a year, if not a little bit longer. But we do have to get to this first or this final break of the hour. We'll come back at Parker's Picks and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. It has been the week of two for threes. We do it once again yesterday. The Braves were yesterday's lock of the day. They get the win 10-7 to in the second of the two doubleheaders that they had. Josiah Gray hits the over on strikeouts. He gets five against the Astros. But again, we mentioned it in our previous talk about baseball. Bretton Doyle was unable to get the two-plus total bases we were looking for because he mainly I'm, – I'm attributing it to when he got walked is, is what I'm going for for that one. But he only goes one for two in the Rockies' loss against the Red Sox. But we're going to turn to today, try and go perfect. Today's lock of the day, I'm going for the Chicago Cubs knock off the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you would have told me this would be battling out for potentially the lead in the (laughs) National League Central, I would have laughed silly at the start of this year. But it's two teams, they're competing, and they're having at it. It's a National League Central division that's been, well, it's been pretty atrocious this year. And same thing with the American League Central. Both these have been rough to watch. But I think the Cubs are going to get the win here because Marcus Stroman is, honestly, he's making a case to be one of the starters for the All-Star game. He's had a fantastic year so far. He has the lowest ERA in the National League. And I think that's the reason the Chicago Cubs get the win over the Pirates last night. They had a high-scoring game last night. But I think this one might be a little bit more low-scoring with Marcus Stroman on the mound for the Cubbies, and I'm going to take the Cubs taking the win over the Pittsburgh Pirates as today's lock of the day. I'm also going to go with under eight total runs in the Twins-Tigers matchup because I'm going to roll with Sonny Gray. He's one of the better pitchers in baseball right now for Minnesota. 
I think he has the third lowest ERA in the American League. I'm going to trust Sonny Gray in the under on runs. The Twins offense maybe a little bit of a question mark outside of a few guys, but I like what they got pitching-wise, and I like Sonny Gray against the, a struggling Detroit Tigers team. I'm going to take the under on runs in this one. And also, I'm going eight over on runs for the Angels and Rangers matchup. Two electric offenses. I mean, you look at it on paper, it's Otani versus Eovaldi. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm taking the under. You look at it like that, but I'm I'm feeling the, both these offenses. I really am. I don't know how deep both these pitchers are going to go into this game, but I like the over today in that matchup. You got the Rangers with their bats, Simeon, Garcia. They really put Josh Jung, who's been one of the better rookies in baseball so far. And then you got the Angels. You got Trout. Otani's going to turn around and hit as well. Zach Nito, who's been a good call up for the Angels. I, I think the over on this one's probably got a good chance of hitting because just these two offenses are dynamic, and this has been a pretty fun series, I think. So, picks again for you today. Lock of the day the Cubs knock off the Pirates. Over eight total runs in the Angels Rangers matchup, and under eight total runs in the Tigers Twins matchup. You can get in touch with us, 304-263-4321 is the text line, or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. And I heard an argument the other day that I thought was pretty good about, um, of course, there's always the GOAT conversation between LeBron and Michael Jordan, right? And people will fight to the death about it, but I heard one statement. Somebody said, when people start, you know, robbing people, hurting people, or spending millions and millions of dollars on LeBron James' shoes, then... They'll consider him the GOAT. And this uh, recent news story just kind of solidified that for me because the flu game shoes, the my favorite Air Jordan, Jordan 12s from the flu game, they just resold at Golden Auction for $1.38 million for a pair of shoes. $1.38 million. It's a pretty cool um, backstory behind it, too, because uh, the Utah former Utah Jazz ball boys who uh, had him originally, and he got him from Michael Jordan right after the game. Uh, the reasoning behind it was because during the pregame of the flu game in Utah, he uh, gave Michael Jordan applesauce and graham crackers and was apparently just nice to him. And then in thanks, he was like, here's my shoes from my most important shot like ever. So pretty cool. But $1.38 million. Would you ever spend any kind of money like that on a pair of shoes? No. <laughs> no, I would not. Not even a Michael Jordan worn in game? I'm good. No shot. That's <laughs> that's no. Just I can't for that much. The craziest thing about that game we found out the last dance is and this is just Michael Jordan's words is it wasn't a flu game. He claims that he got poisoned by a Utah pizza shop. So he was doing dealing with food poisoning at that time and not the flu. Uh but no, that's a that's a you think about the sports memorabilia that you would pay over a million dollars for. I think the only thing that comes to mind is the Holy Grail, the Honus Wagner card. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, I, I don't know. I just saw somewhere the other day that somebody paid $20,000 for a dirty pair of Elvis's underwear. I mean, celebrity worship has gone a little too far, people. Well, speaking of Michael Jordan, uh, I'm reading here back in September at Sotheby's Auction, the big-time auction house, um, his Game 1 of the 1998 NBA Finals jersey Sold for $10.1 million. Oh, my goodness. That's the jersey. Nice. You can just make one online, and then nobody will know the difference. <laughs> make it for like 40 oh bucks. You know? You got to have like a sweat stain somewhere to know that's Michael. Wow. Wow. But then, uh, so it sold for $1.38, the shoes, $1.38 million. And previously, the first time they were sold was only for 105000 So wow. there you go. From Did you guys get to watch the, the Nike movie yet? No. No. I well, you want to talk about a crazy piece of memorabilia. The assistant coach on USA Basketball, which I didn't know until I watched the movie, has the copy of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. He gave it to him when he walked off the stage. 
Uh, and he will, he refuses to sell it, which I think is awesome. Whoa. That's cool. But Can you just, imagine having that? That's what. And well, <laughs> that's the, the, I, well, I won't want to spoil the movie. Yeah. But the the thing about the the story that's cool when he's relating it to all of it was he goes back to read the speech to find his favorite line, and that Martin Luther King had improv the entire second half of the speech. So the first second half of the speech, as it's written down in his notes, is, is not what he said, huh. including the "I have a dream" line. Wow. So I, I just thought you talk about it, but talk about memorabilia that's worth over a million dollars. I can't even imagine. Well, my buddy, he works, uh, he runs the like flagship Under Armour store down in Baltimore. And he said his picture the other day that um, he was just in the back of the shop, whatever, found a red boxing glove. Right. that had a signature on it. So he looked at it and then ended up finding the papers that it was a legit Muhammad Ali signed oh boxing that's glove just sitting nuts. in the back. Who gets it? Does he willy get nilly. it? He didn't tell us that, so well, I'm not sure. I, I can't can confirm nor deny. Yeah, I can't implicate him on anything. I don't know. I'm sure he probably put it in a nice display at work. Mm-hmm. You know, in sure. the, in the place. I'm nice sure he did. somewhere. <laughs> but something an honorable man would no do. Doubt. Can you imagine, like having so, like a Martin Luther King speech or like just finding Muhammad? Like you go downstairs like, into the back closet, and like oh. Muhammad Ali's boxing oh, here's a Babe Ruth signed baseball. Huh. <laughs> uh, well, if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Got anything else here, fellas, in our final couple seconds? Well, it looks like Luke might get a remedy as a Wizards fan. Bradley Beal finally might get traded out of D.C. They're working on his no-trade clause. Everybody cross your fingers that... Uh, he goes to the Knicks? Well, no. Well, yes, <laughs> but that Zion does not come to the Knicks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah, rooms the, the final big thing right now, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want any parts of that. Any parts of that. And I saw somebody was like, "There's plenty, uh, there's plenty of women in New York City for him too." And that's and the thing. They're talking everybody's about. like, "There's plenty of women in New Orleans and if, Dallas if and wherever Hard, he goes." If, if Harden and Zion both go to Houston, I mean, that's just gonna <laughs> that's be gonna be a mess. Absurd. You'll never, you'll never see him on the court. <laughs> no, nope. never see him on the court. That does it for us for today. If you missed the show, like I said, listen back to it a little bit later on. Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Panhandle Live is next for Parker and Luke. I'm Jordan. The Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST. The Panhandle News Network. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.